Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and we're joined by the regular co-hosts of George and Zach. We're going to have a quick look at the three events, yes, three midweek events fired this week for classic. We're going to have a look at the decks that made the money and um, have a look at the, the health of classic and the direction we see it taking over the next few months. So we'll jump, uh, jump straight into the first event, I guess. Definitely. So, first event, what day was this, guys? 11-6. And that was, on the calendar, a Sunday. So this was the Sunday event from last weekend. Oh, so we only had two midweek events. We had, we had two midweek events, but we did have three events that fired last week, if you count this Sunday event. Okay. So, this event we had uh, pretty... Let's see, Dredge, Dredge, Stacks, it's actually a pretty varied event. So, taking the money was uh, a clanmate, Montolio, 4-0, running his, uh, his Stacks build that he was on last week, and he's, he's pretty good with it. So, no real surprise there, Gratz, Montolio. Uh, George, who was next here? Uh, we've got Gray Eyes, or in Red Eyes 3, playing another shop deck. This one is a little bit less aggro, though. It doesn't have the Slash Panthers, and it's got the main deck Leyline of the Voids and Serum Powders. Yeah, I always wonder about the Serum Powders in these decks. I mean, are they good? Well, there, there's been an uptick in Dredge in this quarter, and he's you know trying to compensate for that. All right. And I, and I think that if you're going to run Leyline, you've got to run the Serum Powder, or else there's no point in putting it in your main deck. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather run four Leyline of the Void and two Serum Powder? Um, I suppose so. Although the Serum Powder does have better applications, if you draw, like, a dumb hand, you can still mulligan for seven. Yeah. All right, so Andy, the next one was a uh, crispy one? The crisp one, that's right, with uh, Fate Stitcher Dredge. Um, very typical word. Looks like the the wild dogs in terms of that really packed out sideboard card with lots of uh, answers to the hate cards. Uh, yeah, this so is a uh, this is a mirror of wild dogs deck that we showed last week. The the deck next up is uh, is Peter Jan or uh, Pete Jan, uh, one million words, and he's running uh, the deck that went four and zero uh, last time out, which was uh, Cowno's is. Um, Delver, Delver of Secrets, Snapcaster, Vendillion Click, and uh, Lightning Bolts. Um, did Counters run Gush in his build? Uh, no, maybe not, actually. Did, did he run Tarmogoyf, even? Yeah, he ran yeah, Tarmogoyf. I believe he ran Tarmogoyf. Okay. But he also, didn't he run more than two Snapcasters? He only one, ran one Vendi Click, and was it four or three Snapcaster? I think it was three. Or maybe it was three Tarmogoyf and four Snapcaster. And not to go off topic here, but it was kind of cool if you guys want to go last week. Uh, Kownos came in the article and talked about uh, our thoughts on going adding black to the deck. And it seemed like you liked the idea. So uh, if you have any more interest in that, check that out in last week's article comment section. Um, next up, we have another clan mate going 3-1, our uh, good lady Cat Weasel. So she was rocking uh, Blightcaster Control. Um, Bladesteel Colossus, four Snapcasters, and it's a deck that's really similar to uh, Hambone's League deck. And what do you think about it, Andy? Yeah, no, it's, it looks cool. Um, there's lots of Snapcaster Mage back. Um, different to my deck in in some respects that they're 
the, the Vicky stack, Cat Weasel stack, is running the Cabal Therapy and the Cataxium Probe um, in combination there. And um, I don't know, the therapy seems a little bit kind of uh, out of out of sync there. I guess um, Snapcaster maging back the therapy rather than sacrificing a creature is a legitimate option, though. And, uh, yeah, there's so many different times. Um, it's fact of fiction's run twice there. There was an issue with that in client being bugged. Is that is that fixed now? Um, probably not. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I haven't heard anything about it. And usually when that kind of stuff comes up, you'll hear about it real fast. Yeah, uh, and they haven't, you know, banned it like they've done in the past. There have been, uh, there have been times in the past where a card's broken, and instead of fixing it, they just ban it for a while. I think the best example of that is Chains of Mephistopheles. Yes, that's the one I was thinking about. They just banned that card for, like, three months while they tried to figure out how to fix it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, next event, uh, we have another event, and this one's on 11-8, which was a Tuesday. Very cool. So, Tuesday night, we had an event, and starting off the event was Visual Arts, who ran a deck that uh, George and I are very fond of. It's old Good Game Oath, and actually, it's not Good Game Oath. He's not even running a Dragon Breath. But he is running the two creatures that are usually known in that build, which are Blightsteel and Emrakul. He's running a Dismember, which is kind of interesting tech. What do you guys you guys seen that before in Classic or? Um, I've seen it in the sideboard, I think, and I know that it's uh, an option in Vintage. I don't think I've ever seen it in Main Deck though. Pretty cool. It's 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 pretty cool against uh, Workshop. You know, taking out Lodestone Golem is huge. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, I don't see a lot of, you know, new things. Well, he's got, he's got four Thoughtseize. He has a lot of one-drops in this. Yeah, he's, he is kind of weak to challenge, isn't he? Um, and then he also has four Mental Missteps, which I think... Uh, as long as the metagame looks the way it does now, I think that's maybe one too many with all the shops that are running around. Uh, I'll do my old argument and just say outside of shop, it's one of the best cards you can play against Dredge, other blue decks, etc., etc. I think four is fine, personally. So I think the biggest talking point is the lack of the uh, the good game, the lack of the Dragon's Breath, and uh, I find that really unusual. I uh, sometimes haven't been a huge fan of Dragon's Breath. When you find it in your hand, it can you know it's a dead card. It's not interacting in any way with your opponent. But the ability just to end the game, the turn that you flip the... Uh, Flip the Oath just seems too good an opportunity to miss. Um, and if you were going to go for a, a slower, more controlling build, then surely the Elephant Oath without the the Dragon's Breath is, is a safer, sounder option. Yeah, I would I would absolutely put a Dragon's Breath back in this deck because it might not make a difference in one or two games, but over the course of like 100 games, I'll bet you lose about 20 or 30 of them due to not having the Dragon's Breath. 20? That's, that's a lot. Well, I, I, you would actually lose would be because you don't have that dragon's breath. Uh, maybe, I, like the only the only time I see the dragon's breath really, really making a difference is against uh, Jace's. <laughs> Outside of Jace, I mean, what are you really going to do against an Emrakul or a Blightsteel? I mean, yeah, some decks have Swords of Plowshares, but they'd have that if you had a breath or not. Well, you're giving. Uh, you're giving Dredge an extra turn. You're giving that, Dredge an extra turn. You're giving Combo an extra turn. I guess. I mean, you're running one Dragon's Breath, though. It's not yeah, like you're running four and you're going to get it in there. Think about the fish matchup. 
Oftentimes, they've gotten a lot of damage in against you, and you need to attack the turn you flip, or else you die to the counter swing. I can see that. I, I, I agree. I like Dragon's Breath. I'm just trying to play the protagonist as usual. the antagonist, excuse me. Um, so next day... He does have three more dismembers in the sideboard, too. That's interesting. I think that's kind of overkill, personally. Um, he also only has five Dredge Hate cards, so I think I would probably add some more there. He did four though. Post post sideboard, this deck's looking pretty greedy on the uh, the mana eating, uh, the life eating cards with uh, four Thorsies, four Mental Misstep, and potentially four uh, four Dismember coming in. Well, uh, plus Force of Wills and Fetch Lands. And one thing we said, guys, was this guy's very weak to a Chalice. His only artifact hates also one drops. Yeah. I guess if they chalice you at one, though, you just drop Oath and win. I guess. Um, so next up, speaking of the devil here, we got a, a Mr. Wild Dog, and he's running, you know, the Wild Dog's deck. I mean, he, he doesn't change very much because he doesn't need to. He's he's always doing well with this. Yeah, I've played this deck a few times, and i got to say, I enjoy Dredge a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's a good deck, I mean. Next up, uh, same thing as last event, G. Reyes. So it looks like he is rocking some more events, and glad to see you back, bud. Even though it's shop, and I think you guys are all dirty meanies, but... <laughs> well, he, he does get up to the four channels to the... Uh, sorry, yeah, four channels to the void. Um. He's running four crucibles as well. He really wants to uh, landlock people. Yeah, well... When you're running eight Wasteland effects, that's pretty good. Um, so, guys, next guy, you guys want to take this one? Goat 314? Yeah, Goat with his uh, Goblin Welder shop deck, which I got to admit, I love. I, I'm a big fan of this deck. I built it up. I've been wanting to try and play it in the events, and it's surprisingly... Really versatile, and he's added the third Batter Skull since the last time we talked about it. He, uh, in one of his articles, he said that Batter Skull was just a way over performer, and um, he's still got the two Worm Coils. So I guess he just really wanted the extra life. Seems good. What I like about this is that Goat's done most of his testing in public and uh, made that kind of um, strategy and um, documentation of how the decks evolved available to the community. And uh, it's been really interesting to see how how he's kind of ended up with this 75 cards. Yep, I agree with you. I think that's that's always pretty enlightening to see. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is the cyborg Triskelions. They are... I don't know if you guys have played with Goblin Welder and Triskelion before, but it is ridiculous. Yeah, it seems good. Um, I haven't played with it, and I haven't really seen it in action, but just envisioning the fact that you get three removable, one damage to anything counters over and over again seems pretty good. Yeah, it, I'm a big fan of Goblin Welder, and this deck uses it pretty well. So if anyone out there has been looking for a Goblin Welder home, this is a good one. So Goblin Welder, I guess, could find more of a home um, going forward with Tanglewire coming on board. And, and people starting to move towards more of the um, smokestack welder decks. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at one of the cards in masks, and, and maybe I was 
mistaken here in thinking this might be a, a viable card against stacks, but there was one card I saw that was it was kind of expensive. It's not a card you'd ever hard cast, but I think it was a, a either an instant or a sorcery, and it was uh, sacrifice two mountains to destroy all to play it for free, and it destroys all artifacts. It's not meltdown. Is that what it is? I I, I don't remember which don't one know. it is. No, meltdown is a red X with casting cost under X. Yeah, this, this card. I mean, it looked viable, especially if you're going to be playing something like a welder deck. I mean. You're going to have so, mountains to set. It's alternate cost is sack two mountains. Exactly. So if you're under two spheres, you can, you know, pay two and sack your mountains to kill everything. Which seems good. I would happily give up two lands to drop three spheres and whatever else. Um, it seems like... It seems like we lost George. So Andy, this last guy, it's a, it looks like a newer player. Yeah, it's really good to see new players coming into the uh, into the format, and uh, equally good when they make the money because it encourages them to come back and play, and it really helps to keep the format alive. I I think most people once they get into classic, they tend to stick around for quite a while, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, more people coming in, the healthier the format stays. And this guy, uh, Rising Storm, I've not seen him around before, um, but he's gone three and one, and he's rocked into the event with. Um, a budget-ish version, I guess you could call it, of, of Dredge. So he's not running um, Undiscovered Paradise uh, in the main deck, and he's not running the likes of Firestorm in the sideboard, um, but obviously has a very competitive Dredge deck um, and has, has made the money. Uh, no, no, um, oh, sorry, got myself tongue-tied there. <laughs> uh, oh. No worries, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like this deck is 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 pretty interesting because he is running stuff like the Lotus Petal uh, Fate Stitcher combo. He's also running the Sun Titan coming out of the uh, you know get your bizarre back school of thought. And even though this is you know in quotations budget, it's definitely got the same kick. The one card everyone's scared of is the one he's rocking for of, and that's Bizarre Baghdad. So absolutely. I mean, if you guys, if you guys out there are thinking, "Wow, that's kind of a cool deck," or "Wow, that looks fun to try," it really is, and it's one of those things. I guarantee you could build this deck for under a hundred tickets. I mean, you just can. I'm sure. Um, I guess I don't want to say sure. I don't know the price of Icarid and and Bridge. Both of those could, you know, they fluctuate sometimes. But my point is this: it's probably less than the cost of one Force of Will to build a deck like this, and it never goes out of style. The word eternal means exactly what it sounds like. This this stuff doesn't rotate. Yeah, that's a really good point, Zach. Really good point. Um, yeah, he's running four Icarids, um, and, and I guess that's a bit of a deviation from some of the other builds in the format. But uh, I, I wonder about the the wisdom of the Bloodgasts without the um, without the undiscovered paradises. But um, yeah, it's he obviously has, worth uh, for him. He's rocking dead more salvages. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he actually introduced himself on Classic Quarter. And explained most of the reasons that he did these things. Very cool. So you can check that out over there at Classic Quarter Forums. Um, Alright guys, so that event was was pretty cool. It looks like, uh, let's see, so we had Dredge, Shop, Shop, Dredge, Oath. And it looks like yep. Oath came out on top, so yay for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> go Blue, go! Yeah, well, the the next event as well, the deck going four and zero was uh, was Aether Druids, 
Um, this is a, a good game build, running the Dragon's Breath in the main, um, with a show and tell as well as another option to get one of the big hitters onto the table. Um, so uh, I guess in most respects it's a stock build, um, jamming in the Voltaic key combo as well. Um, and this is Icy Manipulator's build. Um, he has a very interesting creature in his sideboard. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I guess that's is that for the shop match. That I, makes I, sense. I don't think it is for the shop match. Oh, I think that it you, might be for the combo match. I think it's for other blue builds. To be perfectly honest, um, you, when you when you have dark confidence, this is this is what I was going to say here with with a deck like this. I would be really tempted. To swap out the oaths directly for the dark confidants and uh, add blight steel out of there for something else, because like dark confidant always throws me off in the sideboard of an of, of an oath list because it's like it's almost like the opposite of what you it's it's the equivalent of running snapcaster in an oath list. It's just I don't know it 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 never really seems to me like that's a great plan, but it seemed to work here for icy. Uh, I'd love to ask him what he brought it in against because I'm 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 kind of interested. Yeah, you make a good point about bringing it in against control, though. That that could be the option, I guess. I think maybe you bring it in and against the mirror, though. So yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Dark Confidant in these lists and in, in the mirror is, I, I guess it's pretty good in the mirror. You, you always say you keep one oath of druids in there, but in this case, I don't think I would, but. When you think about the opponent, that's probably going to be their plan. Is they keep one oath in there, bring three out, and bring something else in, whether it's <coughs> enchantment, artifact destruction, bounce, what have you. Um, I think Dark Confidant would be pretty good in the mirror. You would draw more cards and typically be favored, I think. Draw more uh, Forbidden Orchards, at least. Yeah, draw more Forbidden Orchards, draw more Counterspells, draw more everything. I mean... And I have to say, I'm really tempted to rock this deck out because I got a, a foil show and tell a couple weeks ago. So this is since I only have one, this is the exact kind of a deck I'd like to. <laughs> on um, so congrats, Icy! I, I like the deck, and I, I'm, I might give it a shot here. Um, next right. up, um, go ahead. Next up, next up is Darnoff, um, and he's bringing to the party a bit of um, what well, I was. Actually, um, it's it's an interesting jammed up build with uh, Knight of the Red Aquary to go and find um, a myriad of interesting land targets. Um, it's got Noble Hierarchs and Kasali Pride Mages to add some Exalted to the mix. To the mix, um, and it's also got uh, some interesting one-off targets there in the deck and, and three Dark Confident as well to draw draw your way through it. So. Um, Good to see this kind of deck in 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 and about the uh, in and about the money again. Oh yeah, I was gonna say this this is a fun deck to look at, you know. I'll just reiterate what I said last time, and maybe this guy's tried it. I'd love to hear it in the comments. Why is there no Green Sun Zenith in this deck? It has no. so many cool things to grab, from Gaddic Teague to Thrun the Last Troll to the uh, Quirion Ranger to Birds of Paradise turn two. If you have nothing else. Uh, Knight of the Reliquary, which is pretty much your best card in this deck. I think it needs Green Sun Zenith. Yeah, there there are quite a lot of targets. Uh, but it seems like this guy's doing well. So, I mean, more power to him. Um, it's interesting to see he's rocking the Aether Vial. I think those are going to really shoot up in popularity after we get the uh, 
the mass block online. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, George, uh, next deck. We've got Montolio again. Montolio. It looks like he's running the same build that he ran on the event two previous. He is rocking some pretty cool stuff. I wonder if he's fearing fish, because I wonder why he's using the Razormane Masticore slots on the sideboard still. Is that is that normal? Like, I mean, do you guys think there is a, a propensity for people to run decks like uh, Duranoth above, or is that, like, rarer today? Uh, I think that's rare. We've pretty much ever since we've gotten Innistrad, Creature decks, besides Snapcaster Mage, have been on the way decline. Uh, see, I agree. That's kind of why I said anything about it. I, I haven't seen a lot, and I still will say, you know, there's still a missing persons report. Timmons, where are you? Where are you? Yep, we missed you, Timmons. Um, while we've been uh, talking about this uh, this list, I've uh, jumped into the client quickly and uh, found IC Manipulator and uh, just asked him for his thoughts on uh, Dark Confidant in the sideboard. And he's saying that he brings them in against decks with enchantment um, hate, like the hate bears. Um, he agrees that they turn off the oaths, but he says that sometimes you just need uh, need the card advantage to beat them, and they always have a way to deal with the oath anyway. So he would like to bring in in the dark confluence in that kind of matchup. Um, and he's got the show and tell them the tinkers as a backup plan to get his robots on board. Um, so that's that, that's his king. Very cool. <clears throat> If he thinks they've got four Pride Mages and four Nature's Claims, then he'll side out the Oaths. Nice. That's cool. So, That's uh, definitely some valuable info there. I, I like that strategy, Andy. So that was good. So sorry to jump in, but I just thought we'd, uh, we'd bring that while we can. No, it's a good deal. So, you know, moving forward in the event here after Montolio, we got another clan mate, which seems to be a theme here. Mr. Shantry Gilbert, which is one of the newer clan mates. Uh, great guy, super nice. He's rocking uh, stacks, and he's rocking cat stacks, it looks like. Uh, two, four Slash Panther, four Metamorph. I, I really think Metamorph is one of those cards that just should be ubiquitous with almost any shot build. It's that good, and I don't see it in every deck. Uh, it's almost like... It's almost as ubiquitous in my mind with shop as staff is with Metalworker. I mean, it's not quite there. But Metamorph is so good. It's five through eight copies of whatever card you want right now. You know what I'm saying? It's it's. Just... Uh, I'm pretty sure that Metamorph should be in every single workshop deck that has workshops in it. I, I I agree with you, but like just the reason I say that is, for example, we were looking at G Reyes's deck, and I'm pretty sure he did not have those in there. Yeah, I agree with you. They are just. Two life is a pittance to just be able to do whatever you want. Agree. So, lastly, we got one of our uh, forum neighbors here, Mr. Gaines Banding of Clan uh, Lotus Farmers. And he's rocking Oath with the Dragon Breath. And he he's also running Fluster Storms, which I really like. It seems like the format's kind of turning that way. Uh, it's a great card, and it's even better if Storm ever popped its head up. Flusterstorm would get that much better. Uh, it's just... Flusterstorm got better with Snapcaster Mage as well. Oh, yeah. It's it's a really good card for one minute. It's like one of those cards like, oh, you have Mental Misstep? Well, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of Flusterstorm. Yeah. I'm not sure... I'm not sure if the uh, meta is quite right for it, though. I think they're... 
I think that percentage-wise, it's going to be dead more often than it's going to be live. I think right now, if you're looking to build a deck, and it's kind of been like this for a while, but for a while we had a, a, a fourth um, ingredient that we had to look out for, and that was fish. Right now, I mean, it, I'm going to say this, like, offhand, and it sounds like it's easy to do. It's really not easy to do. But you build your deck to beat the three main archetypes, Oath, Shops, and Dredge. If you guys look at the events, what we've covered this week, that is the overwhelming theme. Yeah, there's random decks out there. There's uh, Duranoth's uh, green-black junk, green-black-white junk, and uh, you know some stuff like that out there. But if you can beat those three decks, I would, I would be willing to go out on a limb and say they're like 92-plus percent of the metagame. It's, it's a ridiculous amount of those three decks. And I'll count Snapcaster as Oath. Okay, okay. If you count Sna- if you just lump Snapcaster and Oath together as blue control decks, then yeah, I'll agree with that. Cool. So those are the ev- those are the events that fired, and um, I think we saw a lot of kind of like uniqueness, new players, uh, different twists on some decks. It's kind of cool where where classics at right now, guys. And and, and I kind of wanted to sag over to George here. I wanted to talk to you about, we, we were looking at, um, right before the cast started, we were talking about um, how many events have been firing and how great it is, uh, especially comparing, like, this year to an average year. And I, I'd call, like, last year. Wouldn't you say that's pretty an average year? I mean, it's it wasn't anything super special. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit worse than the year before, but it was it was all right. So where, where are we at right now? What, what did we do this year? What did we do the year before? Alright, so in the entire fourth quarter of 2010, we fired eight classic events. So that is three months, eight events, right? Yeah, that, so there's 12 weeks. We fired, we fired just barely over once every two weeks. Okay. And that's, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And- um, a lot of that was, I think uh no, Exodus was out, yeah, so I'm not sure. Were we were we still waiting for Urza Saga or had we gotten that as well? Oh, Saga was out. Yeah. Saga was out. Yeah, because don't forget. Uh, oh yeah yeah, no, yeah, that was a long time ago because uh that's uh right I guess that's right when Masters Edition came out. Wow, it's been almost a year since Masters Edition four. Masters Edition four was in January, wasn't it? No, it was in uh, December. Like, oh no, you're right. It was. It was like January seventh or something. Yeah. So yeah, I guess a lot of that was the metagame was pretty stale, uh, and Legacy was doing extremely well at that time. Which is yeah, Leg- Legacy seems to be completely off the radar at the moment. Yeah, it's a stunning reverse now if you look at it. I mean, we don't have the numbers that Legacy had last year, but. I think they fired maybe three or four events in the last three or, uh, like, two months. Well, the coolest thing to me is we're now, what is today's date, guys? Today is... Uh, the 12th. The 12th. So we're on, we're doing this Saturday the 12th, and we're, we're thinking about this. This is November 12th, and if you think of the fourth quarter, let's just say it's 10-1 to 12-31, okay? So October, November, December. We are not even halfway through the fourth quarter for 2011. And we've already fired 150% of the last year's events for the entire quarter. 
So in theory, we're on te- on schedule to rock at least 300% of what we did last year. So if we could fire three times the number of events, and really, it might be higher. We're moving up. A couple of weeks ago, we were firing one to two events. Now we're, we, we have people in um, Magic Eternal forums, Classic Quarter forums, uh, Lotus Farmers guys are talking about it. Everybody's being very vigilant in the community and getting people together for these events and saying, hey, Tuesday night, who's down? Thursday night, who's down? I'm going to rush home from work. Are you guys down? It's it's really, it's kind of a cool feeling. Yeah, and yeah. I've been reading the feedback. Some of these are nail biters, but they're getting it done. I, I really want to say, in my heart of hearts, I, I think that's what it takes. It's, 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 it's making sure it fires, and then as soon as it does fire, it becomes a trend. It's not going to become a trend until people, you know, put in the work to make it do that, but... It seems like, you know, you guys are all rocking it hard, and I, I'm really proud of the uh, community lately. It's been cool. Um, so, right now, if we uh, continue at the pace that we're going, we are on track to hit, what, 24 events? Yep. Easily. Um, Honestly, so we're on track to hit in the, more. In the first quarter, we hit 27 events. So if we managed to beat the first quarter when Masters Edition 4 was brand new and everything was exciting, I think that that'll speak volumes. See, I, I, I think that with Master Block coming online, we might see a dip in the rate of Classic firing, because a lot of the guys who play Classic are going to be wanting to hit those Masks draft keys to get the the folks from the sets. Well, I'll, I would agree with that, but Innistrad wants to slap that idea in the face because we managed to fire a couple of events during the release weeks. Yeah, yeah, but... Sorry, Zach, you go, mate. Oh, you know, I was just going to say, I kind of want to lean towards George on this one. I think Innistrad, look, we're excited about masks, and sometimes in our day-to-day life when we talk about classic, we think that everyone's like we are. Now think about how much more excited for Innistrad the general player base was. Legacy hadn't fired an event in how long? Months? Yeah. I mean, we're doing classic through Innistrad. People like George and uh, Naoto went out and they bought those Snapcasters at inflated prices because they wanted to play with them. They wanted to play their format. They played classic and they they, they earned them back several times over. So Absolutely. I, I don't want to put a negative slant on it. I, I really hope classic will continue to fire about Master Block. But you have to remember that within a strat, there were always going to be a ton of people that were drafting that format for the classic players to get the foils that they wanted from that set. Masks block draft isn't going to appeal to everybody. So if the classic players want those foil cards, they're going to have to get off their backsides and go draft it. They're not going to have to go buy them at a reasonable price off the TP. Well, you're putting you're putting way too much emphasis on the fact that people will only play with foil cards. I, I, I'd even go as far as to say you're putting way too much emphasis on Mass Block because the cards that we really want from Classic, besides uh, Smokestack, uh, not Smokestack, uh, Tanglewire, are basically online. I mean, Days and Gush are cool, but we have them. Well, let's see how the events fire. I'd love to be proven wrong. I want to see Classic continue to fire and uh, continue to fire these midweek events as well. Awesome. Um, sadly, the midweek events... Uh, Oh, no way, no way for people living outside of uh, of, of, of a comfort time zone. Um, they fire at about 3 a.m. over here. Wow. Well, I mean, 
3 a.m. is very late, I'll agree with you. But you also have to realize that not everyone in the world has a 9 to 5. Yeah, but I do think most everyone in the world doesn't want to play at 3 in the morning. Well, I mean, this we are populated by the guys who have been here for years and striving to get these events to fire. Um, I know, I know I've, like, joined a 2 a.m. event, even though I was dead tired, just to get the guy to fire. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a noble thing, and I, I like when we when we do have things to fire. Mostly because I'm really self centered. I love to have stuff for us to talk about, but um, it, it's great for the community. And and really, guys, uh, I don't think there's any uh, any I guess dissension here. Another thing that's been great for Classic has been the league. Do you guys agree that you know since this league started, we there's been posts in Classic Quarter about it too. Big hat tip to Clan Lotus Farmers and, and Mmog. But, I mean, how nice is it that all these people have gotten, you know, their first taste of classic, and it's kind of, I'm sure the league has inspired a couple people, specifically D.L. Hollingren. He said, you know, I love the league. It was a lot of fun, and it really made me go forward with classic. Yeah, uh, this is the league. Go ahead. The league's been a, a great success on so many levels, getting more people into the system, getting people talking about Classic and staying in an event for a long period of time. It really helps to kind of um, bring the community together and, and get people playing Classic in a in a way that's really kind of um, friendly on, on people's times. And uh, the coverage from the from the league as well has been has been great, and people have been happy to try slightly. Um, newer builds and then something a bit more techy as well in the league so it's been good for driving forward the format as well um so i know i know that we always harp on the fact that workshops are you know ridiculous and that they win too much but i actually think that they might be a benefit to growing our format because it allows people to play with you know 200 dollar creature decks instead of everybody's rocking storm so everyone needs force of wills would you guys say I'm pushing that? I'm uh, I'm trying to understand what exactly what you mean. Say it one more time. All right. So the prevalence of workshops is allowing people to play with the cheaper classic decks, like the black red uh, or the black green white fish deck. Mm-hmm. That is that's not a very expensive deck, and it actually does beat the pants off of shops. But if shops weren't around. I feel like the environment would be far more blue-based with, like, combo and control, and then these creature decks might not be able to compete at that price point. Well, the ironic part is, I think if if Stacks wasn't around, I think the meta would be so drastically different, because I can tell you what deck I think would be dominating, and it's none of the ones we're talking about. It's a deck called Storm, and it runs Dark Ritual and spells that do not like... It's, it's like Dredge on crack against everything, games 1, 2, and 3. I mean... If you well, don't have a, and I absolutely agree with that. A fish deck wouldn't be able to compete. You would need force of wills. Eh, the the one thing I'm thinking about, and I keep going back to when when we say that is, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, nice guy, animosity. Animosity's green white hate deck is a bitch on storm. I do not see storm saying, "Wow, I'd love to play that deck." With stuff like Avon Mind Sensor. And, uh, you know, cards that, you know, make make it everything cost more, just like Shops does. I'm going to play Devil's Advocate again. Sorry, guys. But, you know, if uh, if we didn't have Shop in the format and Storm was allowed to, to reign and to, to put in the numbers, you would see people doing 
to Storm, what they currently do to Shop now. They would run multiple main deck answers and multiple sideboard answers, and they would set their deck up to have a better game against the most dominant deck in the format. So if Storm did break out because of the lack of Shop in the environment, you would see more people packing Mindbreak Trap, more people packing Flusterstorm. And you would therefore balance yourself out again. But, Andy... The main difference, <laughs> the main difference between Storm and the two, there's really two decks you're talking about. It's Shop and it's Dredge. Both, neither of those decks can interact with the hate that comes out. Okay, Shops can't beat an enchantment. Dredge cannot really do anything. It has one drops and two drops, but it's kind of you know it dies to hate. The difference here is Storm is magnificently tutorable. You can find answers to almost anything. The problem yeah. is, if you can't pay your spells, you can't play your spells. That's what's yeah. holding Storm back. Not well, I, I, would, I would go out on a limb and say that Lion's Eye Diamond plus Yawgmoth's Will is the most powerful thing you can do in this format. By a mile. It's, just that, it's just that Workshop self-corrects it. I don't know. Yeah. I still want to say that Channel into Emrakul is more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> But you're quite right in that the prevalence of shop in the format is the sole reason why Lion's Eye Diamond remains unrestricted in our format. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if workshops weren't around, Lion's Eye Diamond, I feel like, would have to be restricted. Here's an interesting question, guys. What do you think about... I know this would never happen. This is fairy tale land. This is me being an idiot. What do you think would happen? Would Storm be more prevalent... If they let us play around with Yogg Well and it wasn't restricted? Um. Even though they're shot. You know, I'm sure people would try it with like four Yogg Moss Wells because how could it not be ridiculous? I actually think the winners there would be like gifts on given decks though, with lots of mana drains, lots of artifact removal. Being able to play with multiple Yawgmoth wells seems amazing. No, nah, I don't. I don't think those decks would do that well because those decks would be even more impacted by stacks than uh, Storm would be. At least Storm's doing stuff on turn one or turn two. Yeah, I guess. I guess that I would want the permanent mana sources with uh, multiple Yawgmoth wells. I guess. Anyway, that was just like slappy fun time land. No, no way that'll ever happen. Um, I don't know. They they let us play with four times Necro. There was an outside shot we could have played with four times Yawgmoth's Will. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Still want 4x balance, but 4x channel, but... Well, oh, 4x balance. That would that would just be stupid. I can tell you this, blue-white control would be a whole different monster. Uh, what are you talking about, blue-white control? You play artifact-based combo. No, I'd do blue-white control, and I'd slap people. I'd... I'd, I'd you know what, I, you know what I, I would do? I'd be all about mine, twist Armageddon on... If I if I played blue-white control with four balances, I think I would play a lot of uh, suspend cards, like uh, Vision. So, <laughs> you, you could play Restore Balance as a four of. <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking more like uh, uh, the, the Lotus and uh, the Ancest, the Vision. Yeah, I mean, you'd, ha- you'd be jamming in 4x Chromox too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd do everything I could to empty my hand and get all my resources on the table and be ready to slap people. But neither here nor there, I don't think that'll happen either. So I, I guess, you know, the, the one thing, uh, guys, we also wanted to talk about was 
this this is primarily geared towards the people who might be listening to our podcast and have never tried classic before. I just think it's the perfect time. Everyone in the community that we know, you know, of course there are a couple bad apples, but we don't even see the bad apples on that much. Everyone in the community that I can think of, from Danger Leno to the Magic Eternal guys to the Classic Quarter guys to the Lotus Farmer guys, everybody is willing to help out. So if you have questions about Classic, uh, we won't speak for everybody, but for us specifically, in client, I'm either T-H-E underscore H-O-F-F, Abstract 66, that's Abstract with a K, so A-B-S-T-R-A-K-T 66, George is uh, Wiffy. Is it underscore penguin or space? It's space. I, I've had my account for a long time when you were actually allowed to use spaces. So Wiffy space penguin, W-H-I-F-F-Y space P-E-N-G-U-I-N. And Hammer, which account you want them to get with you on? Um, probably my Hammer underscore Latell. So any questions you guys have, if you're interested in the format, if you want to find out more about a certain deck, if you have questions about card interaction you have questions about what we're talking about on the show, you have questions about anything pertaining to classic or eternal formats, see us, talk to us. We're, we, we, we'd love to hear new players. We'd love for these events to rock with 40 people. I mean, how cool would that be? Oh, man. If we could get 40 people, then we could start doing top eight events again. If we could get 40 people, we would actually have some real ingenuity. It's hard to, to have ingenuity in these events with uh, you know a 16-person player base 50% of the time, you know, you're probably going to be playing one of the people you know or a buddy or whatever else. If you have 40 people, some of these decks are going to have a lot more of a chance to uh, to thrive and see how they play against different decks, especially when the field, some weeks we have 40% dredge, 40% shop. It's it's tough. I mean, it's tough for a new deck to break out with the number of people we're rocking. So, so yeah, guys, you know, keep us in mind. Um, what, what do you guys think? I mean... You want everybody to get in contact, right? Yeah, uh, I am constantly answering questions, so, you know, it, it, don't feel hesitant to PM us out of the blue and ask away. We want people in these events. We want the new blood. We are willing to, you know, help you out. Definitely. Yeah, and, and uh, don't be embarrassed to ask any question on any level. Um, we're, we're more than happy to help you guys out. I'll go so far as to say... We will even help you guys build red deck wins. That's how much we want you to play. If your budget is that constrained and you want to, or you just want to rock burn spells, we will help you figure out the right 75 cards to play. Definitely. So keep that in mind, guys. Uh, also, as always, we're on our ter- uh, forums there, if you want to ask there. It's magic-eternal.com slash forums with an S. So uh, you can also hit us up there. And yeah, anything else for this week, guys? I think I think that rounds us out for this week. But there's a couple of important things. Uh, I have to thank PureMTGO.com for hosting us, and MTGO.com for MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us. And uh, yeah, well done, guys, on firing those midweek events. Keep it up and uh, keep enjoying classic. And uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have some more uh, more events to bring you next week. See you in seven, guys. Have a good one. See you soon, everybody.